This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Good evening and welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, hope you are doing well in spite of everything that's gone on this week uh, that I'm not going to get into. But let's just talk about some football and get our minds off of everything that's going on right now. So we got uh, tomorrow begins the NFL wildcard weekend, which is usually one of my most favorite uh, weekends of the year. Unfortunately, I'm going to be very busy uh with uh other matters so uh I will not be able to watch all these games in their entirety as I would normally like but I do have a pretty general feel of how I think these games are going to go and uh, kind of walk through my thought process on uh the DFS slate for uh the Saturday contest the Sunday contest and if uh, some of you want to play the combined contest on DK with all six uh, wildcard games. I'll try to uh, put together a lineup for that one as well. So getting right down to it uh, with the first wildcard matchup on Saturday, we've got the Bills, the number two seed in the AFC, hosting uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, the seventh seed. And here's the deal. You know, with this added wildcard spot, the the Colts are in this year. Uh, they technically would have blown their opportunity to make the playoffs uh, if not uh, because of the the game they gave away to the Steelers. Uh, but uh, be that as it may, uh, the Colts come in and really solid team. Uh, people keep looking at the Colts as this walkover game for the Bills. This is a very dangerous matchup for the Bills because the Bills are the team that everyone's talking about that they're the uh, uh, maybe the best team in the AFC, maybe better than the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of hype going into uh, Josh Allen and uh, the way the Bills are playing, and re- respectably so. The Bills have had an incredible year. Josh Allen's had an incredible year. Uh, his accuracy on deep balls has risen uh, dramatically uh, uh, to the point where. It's uh he's got a, t- a ten percentage point improvement on deep ball passes this year. A lot of that I attribute to just how well Stefan Diggs has played. 
A note to NFL teams, if you have a number one wide receiver, you don't necessarily trade him. And I know Minnesota had Adam Thielen, but I always, and I said this last week, there's a difference between certain guys and, yes, Justin Jefferson's good. He's going to develop into a very good, excellent receiver and probably a number one receiver as well, just as how well he's playing. But, man, it is very hard to find wide receivers the caliber of Stephon Diggs and he's had his breakout year uh, because the knock on Diggs was he would have some incredible games, but he would disappear in various parts of the season. This year, he's been very consistent as the number one receiver for Buffalo, and it's, it's shown dramatically in Josh Allen's numbers because he's got that vertical threat to use that big arm on and just have him uh, Diggs run under the ball. Uh, and, of course, Diggs is always great on slant routes, and Allen's got the velocity on... Uh, that ball to uh, hit the slant route and just let Diggs uh, uh, get out in front of it and go. Uh, because, you know, again, with a slant route, if you throw it out in front of uh, a, a receiver that's fast enough, they can hit the proper seam and just break loose, uh, which is what you saw on a couple of uh, primetime games already with the Bills. So, you know, there's a lot uh, to like about the Bills. Here's the thing, though, about the Colts. The Colts play a very ugly style of football defensively. And in uh, what I mean by that is the Colts will run a three safety look by and large. So uh, what ends up being the case is they will jam your wide receivers uh, up at, uh, at up at the top. But the, uh, the other problem that you'll kind of run into is the fact that they also have very talented uh group of corners now the break this uh the bills catch is that rocky sin the second year uh cornerback uh, uh for the colts uh is gonna be out for this game he didn't con- uh, it doesn't appear he's gonna clear concussion protocol so they're gonna have a backup in there in uh uh uh, t- uh tj carey who you know uh, based off of his uh work over the last couple of years, uh, you know, very solid corner. So it's not as though they have a blatant mismatch at corner. Uh, but uh, Xavier Rhodes is uh, is still there, uh, you know, not quite a top of the level corner as we've seen in the past with Rhodes. Uh, uh, but uh, in terms of uh, what you, uh, you'll see with Rhodes, uh, at least uh, uh, playing up top, uh, the Colts are going to be able to cause problems for the Bills. And like I said, this is going to be a more methodical type of approach that the Bills are going to have to take if they're going to uh, move the ball. Because, you know, uh, for those of you who haven't really watched the NFL closely at all this year, the Buffalo Bills cannot run the football. They are not a good running team. They will just chuck the ball, and they know that they're not very good at running the ball. So they prioritize chucking the ball. So you're going to see Josh Allen throw this ball 40 to 45 times, most likely. The key here is how the Colts are able to manage uh, the Bills' passing attack. And what I think is going to happen more often than not is they're going to give up the chunk plays and try to go with the bend-don't-break model. So I think... uh, you know, from a lineup building standpoint, you know, it's, uh, you're going to see, 
Uh, and uh, there's one piece that I haven't talked about yet, and I'll get to that. Uh, what you're going to see with the Bills wide receivers, they're going to have opportunities to catch the ball because the Bills, like I said, they're going to chuck the ball uh, quite a bit with Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, they'll try to run it a, a couple of times with Devin Singletary or Zach Moss to keep the Colts honest, but DeForest Bruckner is still a beast in the middle for the Colts. Uh, probably the... Uh, I'd say probably number two to Aaron Donald in terms of uh, uh, defensive linemen in, in the league uh, in the interior. Uh, I know Giants fans are going to want to uh, talk up uh, uh, Leonard Williams and the performance he had this year. Yes, uh, Leonard Williams had an excellent year, but uh, uh, Bruckner plays in the tougher division and had better numbers, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, that that's just kind of uh, what it is. It was just a better level of competition he was playing against as well. So uh, that's why I really don't think the Bills are going to try to run the ball. Uh, you know, so from a DFS perspective, uh, to me, this is a complete fade of the Bills uh, rushing attack. Uh, you know, people have this in their heads that because the Bills are such a heavy favorite, uh, because right now, uh, from a betting standpoint, the Bills are a six-point favorite. Uh, money line, uh, you know they, you, you know they're in the minus. Uh, they're above minus two eighty. Um, uh, so obviously, uh, you know you're you'd be betting over two eighty to make a hundred bucks on a bet. But uh, you know, I I really don't like it. Uh, that spread is just a little bit too aggressive for the Bills. Uh, you know, yes, the Bills are good. Colts can definitely keep this game close. And uh, the 51 total, you know, again, I think folks are getting too excited about the potential for scoring in this game. I actually think that this is going to come in under that 51 total. Uh, what you're more likely to see is the Bills methodically uh, trying to move, keep drives going, uh, more so than they have in the regular season. In the regular season, they did hit a lot of big plays. I think the Colts take away the big plays that you typically would see with uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the Colts are a very good tackling team. I, I just don't see the massive yardage plays that you're more accustomed to seeing with the Bills. Now, the other aspect of this is there's a good chance Cole Beasley does not play in this game. Uh, Cole Beasley uh, is still pretty banged up uh, uh, with a knee issue. You know, they're saying he's 50-50, but it's an early kickoff. They're the one o'clock game. So I have a really tough time if Cole Beasley is still only 50-50 and it's a one o'clock kickoff and it's a playoff game. Yeah. Could they keep him active? Of course, it's the playoffs. but are they really going to risk Cole Beasley when they have Super Bowl aspirations because they rushed him back uh, too soon? I just don't see it. I, I really don't. So in my mind, you know, it's going to be digs, and you're probably going to see uh, <clears throat> Gabriel Davis uh, come back into the fold. Uh, you know, John Brown rejoined uh, the Bills uh, wide receiver core last week. And John Brown typically was more of the speedster, uh, stretch the field, uh, deep threat. Uh, Gabe Davis did that role uh, very well, but he can also run uh, crossing routes, which is not necessarily John Brown's uh, forte. So this is kind of an interesting uh, 
way to look at it from a DFS perspective. A lot of folks have been kind of penciling in, okay, Colt Beasley's out, so let's uh, let's pair uh, Josh Allen with uh, Diggs and Brown uh, because Colt Beasley is also priced up on DraftKings. Uh, you know, the, uh, obviously uh, the pricing came out before. Uh, so, some of the uh, injury news uh, updates that we got during the week, but uh, you know Beasley was uh, pretty uh, pretty pricey to begin with, so I just didn't have uh, uh, any uh, feel uh, appetite for p- playing Beasley at all uh, this week. Uh, uh, just the fact that he was, uh, I believe, it was sixty three hundred on DraftKings, and the price was up there on FanDuel as well. You know, I just. Beasley is a move to ch- a sticks kind of guy, not a touchdown guy. You know, if you're paying over 6K for a wide receiver on DraftKings uh, this week, you know, you got to have touchdown uh, potential, in my opinion, uh, to get there. Because uh, with a uh, three-game slate, uh, realistically, there are going to be some opportunities uh, to get points. So uh, I look at it as a play of, you know, Josh Allen has the highest ceiling potential of the quarterbacks on this slate if anyone is thinking otherwise i don't know what to tell you josh allen is going to be chucking the ball uh quite a bit and he has uh the best rushing potential because russell wilson while he can scramble russell wilson's not looking to scramble to get yardage he's scrambling uh to find another wide uh wide receiver down the field uh, Josh Allen will take off and run when presented the opportunity. Now, do I think he's going to get a, a number of opportunities to run against the Colts? Not really. Uh, you know, scramble for a first down, yeah. Uh, but uh, in terms of someone losing, uh, losing contained on Josh Allen uh, uh, and not uh, looking looking him down, and he just uh, takes advantage of uh, open space and. Uh, uh, runs uh, 10, 15 yards down the field unabated. I just don't see that really happening. It's got to be a busted play for that to happen for Josh Allen. So, you know, realistically, from a rushing perspective, i probably give him less than, uh, you know, if I was doing the line uh, and I haven't checked the rushing props yet, I probably should have. But, uh, you know, I really wouldn't see Josh Allen uh, running for more than uh, – uh, probably like 25, 26 yards, uh, uh, just being honest. And uh, now I'm really curious what the uh, the rushing prop might be for uh, Josh Allen. Uh, let's see here. If I got Josh Allen, uh, let's, uh, I don't see an individual prop here for him. Yeah, well, but, uh, you know, that's... Uh, that's just something that I I, I would kind of look at is that you're going to at least see uh, different aspects of uh, uh, Josh Allen just kind of uh, 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 throwing down the field. And here's the thing: uh, most passing yards on Wild Card re- Weekend for all the QBs. Josh Allen's the favorite. He's plus two forty versus every other QB on the board here between Brady, Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Breeze, you know, actually, I kind of like that. <laughs> I actually kind of like those numbers. Uh, if, if, you're t- if you're telling me that, uh, uh, now, 
the one thing I would say is there is a good chance uh, that uh, Tom Brady throws for over 300 yards uh, Saturday night. So that that is one caveat uh, to this uh, that uh, could uh, put a damper on uh, yardage uh, of, of for that stat. But, uh, you know, I just kind of look at it uh, from the standpoint of uh, from the Bills, you kind of know who uh, the go-to plays are. Uh, you're taking Allen, you're taking Diggs, and then you could probably, uh, you know, depending on how you want to build out your lineup, Gabriel Davis is a play and John Brown certainly a play. But I actually would, if, if it was a large field GPP, and by your large field, you know, I'm talking more than 500, uh, uh, 500 entries, uh, you know, by and large, for uh, uh, certain slates, uh, you can have thousands and thousands of entries. Uh, but uh, once you get into these uh, uh, smaller game slates, uh, you know that uh, those possibilities come a little bit more tighter. So then it just becomes uh, some of the individual uh, breakdowns. But uh, you know, in a in a large scale uh, tournament, I would actually play Gabriel Davis because. A lot of people are going to be hedging on just playing John Brown uh, with digs together and just expecting the Bills uh, to romp over the Colts. I just think that, you know, Gabe Davis gives you a little bit more uh, differential and it's probably going to see more of the intermediate routes than John Brown will. You know, that's just the way I'm kind of looking at it, it you know. There, there is a chance that Cole Beasley even plays. And if Beasley plays, then that changes the script entirely because uh, I definitely wouldn't want either Brown or uh, Davis on my roster if Beasley is given a, a full healthy go. I've, I'm just not rostering Beasley because, as I said, the price tag on Beasley just makes it cost prohibitive uh, versus some of the other options on, on the slate uh, tomorrow. So uh, just... Uh, couple of thoughts on uh, the bill side on the Colts side like i said i think the colts are a live dog i think they have a very real chance of winning this game the biggest knock on the colts is philip rivers is the second best quarterback on their team i've said this repeatedly philip rivers is the second best quarterback on their team uh you know the colts uh signed philip rivers in free agency no one quite understood what the rationale was uh, they cited veteran leadership, but you know, in critical moments and key moments throughout the year, Philip Rivers has been the worst enemy for the Colts, making bad mistakes. The Steelers game is the tantamount version of it because he gave away that game in such ridiculous fashion with some of the awful decisions he made. But that's classic Philip Rivers when he gets into uh, tight situations. He makes very, very questionable decisions. So, you know, I just look at it from the standpoint of I like the Colts. Uh, you know, if you're telling me it, give me a wild card team that has a chance to pull off an upset that no one's expecting, I look at it and I, and I just point to the Colts. The Colts have the breakdown because if you're attacking the Bills defense, the way you would go after them is with a running attack and the Colts have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. So to me, the Colts can run 
they can run block. They can certainly pass block. If they stay within their game plan of running the rock with Jonathan Taylor, who they finally decided to give uh, established run with uh, as the year wore on, you know, it just uh, made uh, that offense click far more uh, than what they had uh, uh, in place previously. And, you know, by and large, uh, the Colts are a solid offense. Nothing spectacular. They're not going to wow you with their passing attack because, again, Phillip Rivers is the second-best quarterback on their team, and Jacoby Brissett is an above-average NFL QB. I won't say good. I'll say above-average. He can get the job done. He's still a game manager. I just think he's a better game manager than uh, Rivers because Rivers will just make some ridiculous throws that you're scratching your head. What are you thinking, Phil? And Phil does not have the juice anymore. Uh, that he once had to make spectacular plays down the field. So, you know, again, I like the Colts if they can keep this game close and just churn clock by running it with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Taylor has a rushing prop of 79 yards in this game. So they uh, uh, actually, uh, not 79, 89 yards uh, in this game. And it, uh, yeah, so the, uh, the, the over-under total for uh, Jonathan Taylor basically is 89 and a half yards. I think he he goes over that, to be honest. The, the way he doesn't go over it is if Buffalo just steamrolls the Colts and uh, the Colts just uh, give uh, Blitzkrieg Durley. They can't, they can't uh, get into a rhythm, and then they're just playing from behind and Phil's just checking it. And if Phil's checking it, then, yeah, Bill's defense uh certainly can put the game away because Phil is liable to throw a pick six if he's throwing uh more than twenty five times a game uh in the playoffs. Uh, like the Colts actually need Phillip Rivers to throw, you know, twenty three, twenty four like twenty uh, twenty five and above is when Phil starts feeling himself uh, getting into a rhythm. And when Phil starts feeling himself, that's usually when the wheels start coming off the bus because Phil Again, we'll just start seeing things that aren't there in the playoffs. Like there, there are just games upon games. I've seen <laughs> Philip Rivers with the Chargers just shaking my head. Uh, you know, and again, uh, could Phil play within himself? Yeah, we've seen Phil uh, do this before in the playoffs, where he plays a nice, controlled game. He's done it. He can do it. It's just when he doesn't uh, do too much, that's when he's effective. And that's what the Colts provide for him. They can give him an outlet just to make a couple of throws and just let the running attack do the work. That's the Colts' path to victory. Now, on the Colts' side, who would I actually want to play in that scenario? Basically, it's just Jonathan Taylor. Uh, You know, He's priced up on DraftKings, and, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, he's the most expensive running back for good reason. He's 7900 on DraftKings. He's 8800 on FanDuel. But unless the uh, game script gets completely away from uh, him, you at least have a decent enough floor because uh, you can run on the Bills' uh, defense. That is their one weakness. They're not 
a great run-stopping defense. They're about NFL average. And given the fact that, like I said, the Colts have one of, if not the best offensive line of football, the advantage goes to the Colts. They should be able to control the line of scrimmage and be able to control clock by running the football if they establish the run early and just limit the amount of possessions the Bills have. They can keep this game uh they can keep this game close and the closer this game gets into the uh, latter half, then you might see the Bills start to press and that's actually what you saw last year uh with the Bills uh and Josh Allen because you know, I that game against the Texans in the wild card last year was one of the most perplexing games because between Bill O'Brien being Bill O'Brien trying to lose that game for the Texans with just dumb coaching decisions and Josh Allen just getting way too excited about being in the playoffs and trying to do too much, making bad decisions all over the place. That was one of the most helter-skelter games you'll ever see, but poorly played games you'll ever see in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, there is a there is a pathway for the Colts to win and getting the uh, Bills uh, discombobulated. So this is not the slam dunk that people are pretending it to be. You know, uh, uh, I've seen the game picks that uh, folks have had uh, thus far. uh, And yeah, I get the picks for the Bills, but this is not an easy game. Uh, The the Bills definitely have their hands... uh, 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 their hands full uh, with this matchup. They, they, they did not get any favors from the NFL in terms of teams that they could have uh, played instead. Cause I, I definitely think the bills probably uh, uh, would have opted for uh, playing. Uh, I, I think they, they probably would have rather played uh, 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 the Browns to be perfectly honest. Uh, the, the bills are actually a better uh, matchup wise. I think the Browns would have been a better matchup for the Bills uh, than what they actually uh, had to deal with. But, uh, you know, you don't get to choose your opponents, even though you're a higher seed. Uh, that may be something that the NFL may want to consider in the future. Now that they've introduced this wild card format, if uh, if you're the higher, if you're the t- the second seed that lost, you know, the second seed that lost their buy. Technically, if you lost your buy as the second seed, maybe you should be able to call out which opponent you get to face instead of just being slotted in uh, an opponent. But, you know, again, that's that's uh, just me uh, thinking out loud. All right, second game. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I understand why people are picking the Bills, but that that's a live dog right there in the Colts. Uh, you know, it is not as clear-cut as people are making it out to be. So, uh, yes, the Bills... Uh, should win that game that's not a lock and i know i spent a lot of time talking about uh uh the that game but you really need to understand in terms of your roster build kind of getting that like what you wanted what you actually expect the game to turn out to be and building it out accordingly uh, uh to kind of focus on it that way all right so the second game Rams seahawks all right so important caveat here we have no idea who's starting for the Rams as of yet. Uh, Sean McVay has been very coy about it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jared Goff, uh, the starting quarterback for the Rams, injured his thumb in week 16, uh, had to get thumb surgery, 
the Rams had a uh, win and get in scenario. There was a very real chance that the Rams were going to miss the playoffs uh, if they uh, if they lost to the Cardinals in Week 17. And their backup, John Wolford, uh, you know, of the XFL fame that I, you know, for those of you who watch the XFL, um, uh, they said he was the MVP. I, I honestly kind of lost track of the NFL, uh, the XFL, uh, by and large after the, the first two weeks. But, uh, you know, uh, he played admirably. I mean, he didn't throw for any great set of yardage. I mean, he only, he was about a buck 50, but he was efficient with the ball, uh, got the ball out quickly. Uh, had a, a diverse route tree in terms of receivers who caught uh, passes, and the Rams ran the ball. Uh, Cam Akers surprisingly came back from a high ankle sprain, no less, and was very effective. Uh, got over 25 touches, and to be honest, uh, I've said this last week, and I'm going to maintain it. The Seattle Seahawks do not look right heading into the postseason. Uh, they have not been, uh, their, their uh, pass blocking has not been great. Russell Wilson's been taking hits, uh, even though he's he scrambles quite a bit. Uh, they cannot get the passing game uh, going, and Seattle basically has just defaulted back to what they normally want to do is just run the ball. But they're not a good run blocking team this year either. Like the, the Seattle, it, it's it's kind of like head scratching because. You know, we thought it kind of uh, in the middle part of this year, Seattle figured it out where, yeah, you kind of need to let Russ cook and let him do a little bit more innovative things with the offense. Then they lost a couple of games and Pete Carroll just pulled the reins back hard. Uh, and DK Metcalf has been in witness protection ever since. And, you know, the thing of it about this game is it's a bad matchup for Seattle, uh, you know, division rival, but. The Rams built out their corners, and Jalen Ramsey uh, thus far has had DK Metcalf's number. Now, that's not to say DK Metcalf can't go off against Jalen Ramsey because Metcalf is a physical specimen of a human being. Uh, just in terms of his athleticism and strength, it you know pro- probably the. <laughs> probably the most jacked wide receiver. He is the most jacked wide receiver in the league. Uh, that, that's not even a question. But in terms of physical prowess, like Metcalf is better than basically every other wide receiver in terms of the measurables uh, of what he can do physically. Now, Jalen Ramsey is still one of the top three. Probably, maybe, I mean, Jalen Ramsey will tell you he's the best corner in the league. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people lay cl- uh, who could lay claim to that. You got Tredavious White on the Bills. Uh, you got uh, Stefan Gilmore uh, on the Pats. Uh, but, you know, Ramsey's right up there. And, uh, you know, in terms of the Seattle passing game, I just don't think that the uh, play calling for Seattle, they even want to go down that route. Uh, you know, they'll ha- obviously Russell Wilson is going to throw the ball. Uh, occasionally, but they're going to focus more on running it with Chris Carson, uh, play field position, and grind out a win against the Rams. Uh, it's got this game's got the lowest total of all three matchups, uh, and deservedly so because the Rams are going to run it uh, with Cam Akers uh, as well. So this is the game where 
I would say if uh, for your running back builds, you should be looking at at least one running back from this game. I don't know if you want to play, uh, you know, I may, I'm probably going to end up playing both running backs in this game uh, because I I think the volume alone and the fact that someone eventually is going to have to score in this game and most likely it's going to be a rushing touchdown that, you know, playing Akers and Carson uh, could be a viable uh, pathway in terms of getting points. Now, in terms of, like I said, from a DFS perspective, this game's going to feature a lot of rushing attempts because we still don't know the Rams quarterbacking situation. You know, honestly, I think Wolford is a better option than uh, Goff at this point because Goff was not playing well uh, before he got injured. To be perfectly blunt, Goff was terrible this year, uh, by and large, uh, you know, is golf Jared golf is one of the few quarterbacks in the league. I can honestly say that Daniel Jones would have a good shot at beating out over the course of the year in terms of production. If they were given the exact same weapons in terms of uh, wide receivers and offensive line, I think Daniel Jones would actually have a decent shot of beating out Jared golf. That's how little I think of Jared Goff as an NFL QB. Because, as I told you folks before, Daniel Jones is not necessarily a starting NFL QB. I think he's uh, an excellent backup because he has potential to be very good in very small spots and god-awful in other spots if you keep him over the long haul. But the moments of brilliance that you can see with uh, Daniel Jones probably trumps what Jared Goff does when he's in a good rhythm because Jared Goff needs to be in a rhythm as a passer to be good. And in the playoffs, you rarely get rhythm. You have to kind of basically operate virtuoso and improv and Jared Goff just is not that guy. So to to me, like Jared Goff is almost dead weight on this team. I, I would almost say that they're better off taking a guy like Wolford, who at least they were willing to scramble with him a bit. Like they were willing to do some uh, wonky, uh, uh, wonkier things in that playbook just to disguise the fact that it was not golf behind center. And maybe there are some other weaknesses in Wolford's game that we'll, we'll be able to figure out, but golf by himself right now, probably couldn't get uh couldn't get this win done for the Rams unless Akers has a monster game. So to me, uh from a DFS perspective, I'm I would play at least one of the running backs between Carson and Akers. Uh they're going to get a ton of volume. They're going to get 25 plus touches uh in this game between uh, at at least one of them will get 25 plus touches. Most likely uh if this game goes as low scoring as it possibly could be, there's a very real chance that both of these guys get uh, 30 plus touches in the game itself. And it still stays under 40. Uh, the uh, over under is 42, but th- there's a very real chance. This game is like a 20 to 17 type of uh, affair uh, because uh, the Seahawks are only favored by a field goal. Uh, you know, the Rams, like I said, they are a live dog. Uh, so, uh, this one probably is going to come down to a field goal, uh, 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 by and large. Now, in terms of 
Other options for Seattle? Yeah. Could you play Russell Wilson? Um, Russell Wilson is too good of a QB to say he's a he's not a good play. He's too good. He can make stuff happen. The problem is, is that there's so so few pathways for Russ to actually get there passing wise. It's a it's not a good matchup uh, for a lot of volume throws. So you're gonna need to have some massive uh uh bro uh broken down plays for him to throw the ball down the field uh to wide receivers to really uh have it uh make worthwhile because the Seattle doesn't really do a ton of uh, I mean they'll do some wide receiver screens, but again, it's not a huge part of their offensive game plan. So that's why you know they because uh, they featured less of the wide receiver screens with Lockett as well down the stretch. So I, I just don't really feel great about recommending any other plays besides the running backs in this one, because again, it, you know, could you go with a DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett with a Russell Wilson stack? Yeah. Is it an optimal play? No. And because of the Rams situation, it makes it hard to recommend uh Cooper cup or Robert Woods because you just don't know who's going to be the QB. If it's golf, I I think they ca- they still kind of keep the training wheels on him and not have him throw that much. And it's a, and if it's Wolford, uh, they're still going to keep the training wheels on in a in a way because they're not going to want to overexpose him uh, because he just hasn't had that much practice time with the with the first team. So that's just kind of the way uh, I look at it here. And then uh, for the the nightcap, we've got Tampa Bay traveling to Washington to play the football team that is nameless. You know, I I already talked about this at length. I think Brady rolls in there and smashes this team. Listen, the sanctimonious speech by Joe Judge, the head coach of my New York football giants, was insufferable. Because the fact of the matter is, the NFC East was hot garbage this year. Complete and utter hot garbage. With that being said, Washington won the division. They got to seven wins. Even though they lost both games to the Giants, again, this division was hot garbage. Washington, you know, they have a good pass rush. That's about it. Uh, Their offensive line, Played better than expected, but it's not like they got any world beaters on that offensive line. And knowing the fact that uh, Tampa Bay has uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and because Jason Pierre-Paul was playing on the Giants, he was not in the postseason all that often before he got traded to Tampa. And obviously, Tampa was not uh, a playoff contender uh, prior to Tom Brady's arrival. He's been out of the playoffs for multiple years. I actually, I actually think it's a decade since Jason Pierre-Paul's been in the postseason, as crazy as it sounds with the Giants' uh, last Super Bowl run. Pierre-Paul is going to be a beast in the playoffs, point blank. He he causes havoc. He is a playoff performer. I I just look at this uh, and just say that uh, you know Alex Smith. I worry about Alex Smith because 
even when he came back from his leg surgery, you know, he doesn't push off on that leg. He doesn't plant with that leg either. He makes sure uh, to not uh, put himself in a vulnerable position, but he can't maneuver around to avoid a pass rush. Uh, I think uh, Tampa gets to him early and often. And, you know, if he takes, I'm, you know, again, you hope for the best, but I'm not sure if Alex Smith can take a hard hit. And I, and I'm just saying, I think he, he's going to get hit by Jason, uh, Jason Pierre Paul. Uh, I I think the Tampa is going to get sacks on Washington. And I know that Tampa, they're going to want to try to get in uh, on track early and often against uh, Washington. Now, uh, Washington has a good, uh, I shouldn't say good. They have an excellent pass rush with uh, Chase Young, Uh, you know, great young player. They got, they got some nice studs on the defensive line. They can actually rush the passer and get, give uh, Tampa some trouble if they can hit Brady. Here's the thing with Tampa. Tom Brady knows how to play in the postseason. If you give him weapons that can get off the line of scrimmage and get separation, the ball's going to be out of his hands. You have to be able to jam his receivers and make sure that they can't uh, get separation uh uh, within uh, two seconds. I don't know if Washington can do that consistently. They're not that great of a uh, a secondary. Uh, you know, they're, they're just not. And I know Mike Evans is banged up. But I hope people remember that Antonio Brown is still one of the top 10 receivers in football. I know he didn't play that much this season because of uh, everything that's gone on, but we still haven't seen AB be AB yet, and it's not like he fell off a cliff. The guy still has the juice. Now, I know people are looking at Chris Godwin, but this is an Antonio Brown kind of primetime game performance where he could light it up and score a couple of touchdowns. And Brady has a great rapport with Antonio Brown. And he will like to make Antonio Brown look good. I'm just saying, he also made sure that Antonio Brown got his uh, uh, performance bonus uh, at the end of the year. Hence the reason why Tampa was running up the score against Atlanta. Brady was trying to make sure that all of his guys got their performance bonuses uh, to cap off the season. Now, on the Washington side, who are we going with uh, since I'm already predicting a massive uh, Tampa win? It's hard. I mean, honestly, because most people are going to gravitate towards Logan Thomas, the tight end for Washington, because he's had a very good second half of the year. The problem with going with Logan Thomas is, if you look at some of the game tape as to why he was putting up these great numbers in the second half of the year is that Alex Smith was injured. And uh, when uh, Washington went back to Dwayne Haskins, Haskins wasn't doing the proper progressions in, uh, you know, picking out which receiver to throw the ball to. He was kind of just chucking to the first read, 
whether it was a running back or more often than not, Logan Thomas. So realistically, he wasn't running the offense. So a lot of Thomas's stats got boosted because of the dump offs that were relatively quick. Now that Alex Smith is behind center, it's probably going to be a more diverse route tree. And, you know, given the fact that Logan Thomas is the most expensive tight end on the slate, salary wise, you kind of need it. You're almost in a position where you need the touchdown from Logan Thomas uh, to get value over some of the guys you're bypassing uh, to play Logan Thomas. It's a weird dynamic uh, because I just don't see Logan Thomas getting the volume of the dump offs uh, that he normally would. Now, Ron Rivera did talk about possibly rotating QBs and, you know, Haskins obviously got cut. So uh, that now uh, the backup would be Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke doesn't really have much of a throwing uh, arm at all. It's really more of a pop gun. Yeah, he could just dump it off to Logan Thomas. So that would technically be your pathway to get there. Uh, You know, but risk of injury or quarterback rotation nonsense, uh, you know, that's a lot to be banking on. And that's why I just don't like Logan Thomas as a play. You know, realistically, who else might be a play for Washington? You know, it's hard to recommend Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is 6,300 on DraftKings, 7,100 on FanDuel. You know, realistically, I would rather play Antonio Brown for less money. And even then, you know, Chris Godwin could get into the end zone. He's got a better opportunity of getting into the end zone in the blowout than Terry McLaurin does. But, you know, on DraftKings, I can understand the play. Uh, just because he may get enough volume to possibly get there and maybe he might get into the end zone. It's just, it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask to actually play what find Washington players to to go with, Uh, you know, you know, Antonio Gibson, 5,700 on DraftKings, 6,200 on FanDuel. Uh, might be might be the play. JD McKissick, forty nine hundred on DraftKings, fifty four hundred on FanDuel, might be playable. But the play I like the most, uh, you know, beyond uh, just playing uh, AB in this game is Ronald Jones. I think Tampa is going to smash Washington, and once they're up, they're going to run the ball to salt away the clock. And Washington's not a great, uh, you know, they're a good pass rushing team. They're decent against the run. But if the game's out of hand and, you know, they know they're out of it, you know, they're going to pack it in and call it a day. And Ronald Jones is going to have a good day running the football in the second half of the game. So at 5,500, uh, on DraftKings and 6,700 on FanDuel, I really like Ronald Jones. You know, I just don't see Washington putting up a ton of points in this one. It's just, it's a big ask, uh, you know, 
it's a 44 and a half total, but realistically, uh, no one's expecting Washington to score. Like, uh, yeah, the betting markets have Washington's uh, team total at 17 and a half. I think it's a real stretch. Uh, Washington even getting to 17 in a blowout. You know, if this game stays as close where it's only 27 to 17, you know, I think that's a moral victory that Washington takes. I just look at this and I told you, I, I bet the seven and a half because I think uh, Tampa blows them out by double digits easy. I don't think this game is even remotely close in the second half because I don't see Washington being able to move the ball effectively enough to keep Tampa from wearing out that defense. And Tom Brady will quick snap them, get them in the hurry up two minute drill situations, get Chase Young tired. He's going to keep getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Tom has been through this game script before, you know, the teams that get to Brady are the ones that can run the football and rush the passer. I don't think Tip, uh I mean, I don't think uh, Washington rushing wise, that offensive line, it's just Gibson did well against NFC East opponents because the NFC East is hot garbage. I just don't see where Washington is able to have any effect on the tempo of this game. I just don't see it. And because of that, I think Tampa eventually wears out that defense entirely. And then we get into the blowout range and then it's Ronald Jones time in the second half. And maybe you see some Leonard Fournette too, but Jones is going to be the lead back for Tampa. So he gets the nod uh, for a DFS play. Now uh, I talked about this before with Josh Allen, possibly not leading uh, the entire Saturday slate or the weekend in terms of passing yards. Uh, because if we talk about the Sunday slate, uh, there's a reason why, uh, there's a reason why Allen and Brady are the two favorites to, uh, lead, uh, the quarterbacks in passing yards. But, you know, there's a very real chance Tom Brady, uh, can get more passing yards than Josh Allen. If the Colts can slow down, uh, the bills enough and make it more of a methodical game, then you could see Josh Allen not uh, have the monster throwing game. Yeah, Josh Allen could get to uh, a 300-yard game, but there's a very real possibility that Brady could be throwing for uh, 325, 350 in this game. It's not the craziest thing in the world that uh, Brady throws for that many yards against uh, Washington because – like I said, if this gets into a blowout type of game and they get on them early, yeah, I can definitely see Tampa, you know, they're not going to, uh, you know, again, this is the postseason. You're not pulling your starters that quickly in game. So, you know, until it gets to the fourth quarter, they're still going to be playing. I I can definitely see Brady breaking 300 yards and then some if everything goes according to plan because I think there are going to be matchups to be had with that many wide receivers of that talent level versus the secondary of Washington. Brady's going to find the matchups that he wants to exploit. And that's why uh, 
I can see Brady getting a massive passing uh, yardage in this game. And, you know, one guy I didn't really talk about is Gronk. In the red zone, Gronk is still going to be one of Brady's favorite targets. And Washington uh, has given up uh, uh, those uh, types of routes in the red zone uh, this year. So Gronk is definitely in play, uh, in my opinion, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, Just because of the uh, tight end position being as meh as possible, uh, you know, uh, guys like uh, Gronk and Dawson Knox uh, that have the red zone targets, those are going to be my plays at tight end. I just, I just can't get there with Logan Thomas uh, this week. Uh, you know, I know folks are going to try to squeeze in Logan Thomas, thinking that you know if it's a blowout, it's going to be a bunch of dump offs. You know, he's going to get there uh, yardage wise. Uh, you know, I can see how I can see a pathway for Logan Thomas to get there. I just, you know, I don't necessarily see Alex Smith conceding that Logan Thomas is the best option optimally to keep throwing if they need to get back into it. I think he's going to try to stretch it down the field to the wide receivers. So, like I said, I I expect Tampa to roll in that one. And I know a lot of folks are expecting Tampa to roll too. So, you know, like I said, it, it... even though I was said, don't be so dismissive of uh, certain matchups, you know, you got to be able to find a pathway to victory for some of these wild card games. And I just, you know, barring, barring further injury to players on Tampa, I just don't see Washington getting there. Like uh, they have a good pass rush, but uh, you know, uh, people don't talk enough about Tampa's offensive line. Uh, Tristan Wirfs and, I'll be the first to admit it, uh, as a right tackle, as a rookie, has played at such a high level that he, there's a very real chance that he could have made all pro. That's how good Wirfs was, and and again, it kind of makes the Giants look even dumber because both Wirfs and Makai Becton had outplayed Andrew Thomas, who was the first offensive lineman taken, and Becton played left tackle better than Thomas by by and large for the Jets, and I was wrong on that one. Uh, I I had big doubts about Becton's weight uh, weight issues and ability to uh, be a left tackle in the league, and you know he did the job with his athleticism that translated uh, quite well. And Werfs, uh, even though he played right tackle, he played it so well that honestly, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if he played left tackle adequately uh, as well. I, I thought Worse was a natural right tackle. that couldn't play left tackle, but he played right tackle so well that if you could play right tackle that well, you should be able to hold your own uh, against some of the pass rushers on, on the left-hand side in the QB's blind spot. So, like I said, I just don't see a pathway for Washington to get there because... Tampa, Tampa's offense, they're outside of Chase Young. Tampa has the next 10 best. Yeah, McLaurin is a good wide receiver. Tampa has better (laughs) wide receiver. It's just, I just don't see a whole lot there. It's a very hard sell in terms of uh, the players. Oh, I shouldn't say that. 
I shouldn't say the next ten best players are, uh, but if you're if you're doing the ten best players in this game, Washington basically has two of them. Uh, that being Chase Young and McLaurin, uh, I wouldn't have Logan Thomas in the top ten of uh, players in this game. You know, Thomas had an excellent year, but a lot of this was garbage stuffing stats. So I have to kind of bear that into context. It, you know, I just talent wise, this is the most disparate game of the entire weekend. So I just, like I said, uh, it's Tampa all the way, in my opinion, on that one. Uh, if uh, Tampa blows that one, then man, it, it, it's a stand on Brady's record because that that's uh, that was about as favorable as uh, a matchup as you could possibly get uh, for. Uh, the playoffs, uh, you know, again, the Washington seven and nine, you know, the NFC East was hot garbage. The, it, that's all there is to it. Uh, they just uh, the uh, it's a great matchup for Tampa. That's all there is to uh, to say about that. So moving on, let's talk about uh, the Sunday matchups, because I think it's important to kind of uh, get a sense of, uh, you know, realistically uh where things stand and you know it's very interesting uh with the sunday slate because uh i think you're you're gonna see a lot of coin flip matchups and i know some of you who are looking at the betting lines are gonna say wayne what do you mean they were coin flip matchups look at some of the spreads here i'm gonna explain uh first off we got tennessee ho uh tennessee hosting uh, the Ravens and the Ravens are actually favored as the road team. Again, I, I don't get this one. I, I already bet this one in favor of Tennessee because I, I got them at the three and a half number. It's now down to three, but to me, this one is this, this one's a better matchup for the Titans than it is the Ravens. I know the narrative is, the Ravens want revenge for last year with the Titans knocking the Ravens out when the Ravens were uh, uh, were the number two seed. You know, you can do the revenge narrative all you want, but at the end of the day, Tennessee can run block, control clock, and while they don't have a very good defense, their defense is opportunistic enough to make plays in that, you know, the Ravens passing attack can't punish the Titans secondary enough to the extent where I would feel good about taking the Ravens as a road favorite. To me, uh, this is a game where I'm going to take the home dog and it's more than a live dog uh, to me. This one's just wrong. I, I think the Titans should be favored in this one. Uh, Derrick Henry is a bad matchup for the Ravens defense. The Titans offensive line, even without Taylor Lewan, should still be able to move the de- Ravens defensive line and get uh, and create running uh, room for uh, Derrick Henry. And the thing that people just don't acknowledge is the fact that, you know, I kept scratching my head saying, you know, where has this Ryan Tannehill been? And at the end of the day, 
Alan Gase is a is a horrific head coach. <laughs> it's like, a, a, you know, I don't, you know, and the more I think about it, the more I'm beginning to realize that maybe Peyton Manning's just that much of a genius because how Adam Gase was able to fool enough NFL teams thinking that he was an offensive genius, you know, maybe he can only speak to Peyton Manning because every other QB Adam Gase has touched has just looked worse in comparison because anyone else that Adam Gase managed uh, throughout his uh, stint in Miami, uh, you know, with Tannehill, when Tannehill was injured and he was working with backups, you know, again, uh, uh, with the Jets and Darnold ruining, almost ruining the poor kid. I just, I just look at Ryan Tannehill, the progression that he's made into being a play action QB that can uh, do run pass option has been nothing short of, one of the greatest career resurgences you'll see, you know, the only guy I can think of that, you know, turned around his career from where it kind of started to, uh, and kind of do it mid career. It's kind of, it's kind of more along the lines of, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, uh, kind of throw, uh, throwing it out there. Like they're, there really aren't that many uh, NFL QBs that struggled uh, the way Tannehill did early in his career and rebound on another team looking like the guy that uh, folks thought might be a true NFL QB. And, you know, part of it is uh, Tannehill says that, you know, he got more experience and got more comfortable playing QB because he wasn't a natural QB in college. Uh, you know, part of that's true, but, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is he's a natural play action QB, which he wasn't naturally used to such in Miami. Lord knows why. Uh, but, uh, Tannehill to AJ Brown, you know, folks may not realize this, but it was the third most effective, uh, quarterback wide receiver combo in the entire league, you know, a lot of folks are just going to look at this and say it's Derrick Henry or bust for the Titans, but the Titans can beat the Ravens throwing the football. You know, even if Derrick Henry doesn't have over a hundred yards rushing, he should, but there's a chance that maybe the Ravens just lock up the box, just uh, stack the box enough to say, yeah, we're going to let Brian Tannehill beat us. Tannehill can beat him over the top with AJ Brown. AJ Brown, if you give him single coverage, he's gonna beat he's gonna beat that uh that DB. Like as as good as Jimmy Smith is for, uh, for the Ravens, AJ Brown can beat him. And he did beat him last year. Like there is as I said, I just think sometimes you get a misprice uh in in certain matchups, and I would have thought that uh, the market would have kind of started correcting itself, but folks are really betting hard on the Ravens. And I just don't get it. I really don't get this one. I, you know, I know Tennessee doesn't have a great defense, but the way to beat Tennessee is through the air. And, you know, even though Lamar Jackson has gotten better, uh, uh, throwing the football, it's not as though he's been lighting it up. I just look at this as like Tennessee has more ways of winning that matchup. 
And uh, here's the other thing with Tennessee's uh, passing attack. Corey Davis has finally started to wake up. Uh, you know, he was the, uh, you know, he's a former uh, first round pick, but he was the fifth overall uh, pick in, in the draft a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it never really clicked with him in Mariota. You know, even with Tannehill, he really did not have much of a showing, and he was also injury uh, prone uh, earlier on in his career. But this year, uh, he had 65 receptions, almost 1,000 yards uh, receiving. He was at 984, a couple of touchdowns. But uh, he was averaging 15 yards per reception. No. The thing of it is, is that... If you're do- if you try to throw the double team on AJ Brown, Corey Davis can make you pay as well in the slot. You know, it's not as though Tennessee can't throw the football. They have capable wide receivers and they have a, a good tight end in Johnu Smith. It's just that when you have uh uh when when you have uh Derrick Henry, it's a lot easier to run. Oh, and I said Jimmy Smith before I was I must have been thinking back uh, a couple of years when uh, Baltimore had Jimmy Smith. It, it's uh, the number one cornerback for uh, Baltimore now is Marcus Peters, who was formerly on the uh, on the Rams and uh, uh, won the Super Bowl with uh, the Chiefs last year. Uh, uh, you know, it's just I, I just kind of look at it. Uh, I, I I just kind of look at it, it. It's strange. It really is strange. Uh, you know, the more I think about it, in terms of uh, in in terms of uh, that line, I just don't. I really I, I really can't get behind that line that that the Ravens could actually be favored in this game. I'm I'm not I'm not seeing what other uh, the uh, the odds makers are seeing. Uh, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it it just doesn't feel as though, um, it just doesn't feel as though y- you're really gonna get. Uh, you're really gonna get. Uh, oh, actually, oh, man, I, I'm I'm dating myself again. It's like uh, uh, Peter Peters wasn't even on the the Chiefs last year. He he, uh, he got traded to the Rams. Then the Rams traded. Uh, peters to the ravens uh they traded uh peters to the ravens uh because uh uh the rams were also going to make a trade to get jalen ramsey which again still was one of the more bizarre trades that i've seen because realistically uh salary cap wise the, the rams could have afforded both guys uh but you know it i'm rehashing stuff in the past uh, back on a uh, point, you know, I just think that the, uh, the Titans have way more, uh, options of being able to win that matchup than the Ravens do. It is not, uh, it's not easy for, uh, Lamar, unless Lamar has a monster game and Lamar could do it by himself. He, he can, he can make it work. I just, I'm, I'm very curious about uh the Ravens uh uh and how they approach that game because if Derrick Henry gets going and he starts chewing up yardage like he did uh in their showdown last year 
I'm wondering if the Ravens get that deja vu effect again. Because I could see it happening. The Ravens dropped a lot of passes in that wide receiver core, too, uh, in that playoff game. You know, they're going to have to be able to uh, catch passes and make some plays for Lamar. I just, you know, I can see that game uh, going in a very different direction than what most people do. Because I I expect most people to want to play Lamar Jackson at QB and, you know, and they'll just play Derrick Henry. But I, I, you know, I think there's a very real possibility you could play uh, Tannehill uh, at 6,600, play A.J. Brown, and, you know, if you want to, you could still uh, slot in Derrick Henry because uh, there are cheap options uh, on the Sunday slate uh, for running back uh to do that and I'm and I'm going to talk about some of these other games. Now, Bears and Saints. I think folks are still not quite getting it with this one. Uh the Saints are home. And they're 10 point favorites. But last time I checked, the entire Saints running back unit was in quarantine last week because of uh, Alvin Kamara's uh, uh, positive test. And because they're all in close proximity, uh, they, uh, all the other running uh, Latavius Murray and the other running backs uh, were uh, ruled out for week 17. So you had the practice squad uh, to kind of take over for the saints. But here's the thing for the saints. Drew Brees still hasn't looked right throwing the football. Michael Thomas has been injured. Michael Thomas should be back for this game. Kamara should be back uh, for the Sunday game. Uh, That was one of the uh, key sticking points for the NFL was scheduling this game on a Sunday to make sure that Kamara would be back in time after the sixth touchdown performance on Christmas Day. Uh, would be kind of ridiculous that you didn't see him again in the postseason. Uh, but here's the thing. The Bears still have an v- excellent defense with Khalil Mack. The Bears can make it very difficult for the Saints to move the football. And as much as I mock him, and the Bears offense in general, with their head coach Matt Nagy, who's supposedly an offensive genius yet, run some of the most rudimentary offenses because he's stuck with a quarterback that can't make certain throws. The bears still have talent on that offense with Allen Robinson. Uh, Even though the saints have a good uh, defense, they've been susceptible against the run in the latter half of the year. Uh, Once, uh, once they've started racking up some injuries, they've their run defense really has slipped in the second half. Uh, uh, with uh, some of the personnel changes and I, you know, kind of looking at it, David Montgomery with the strong December that he's had could be a factor in this one. I think the bears can keep this one close. This is one where it's got the largest spread. And again, I still think this is a misprice of the, uh, of the line, you know, I originally was on this at nine and a half at 10. I still have to take this one. I I don't, you know, the public is uh, betting on this one 
for the Saints because they remember Kamara's performance and are saying to themselves, the Saints are not losing at home. But again, with uh, COVID and everything else, you know, the Superdome is not going to be the Superdome that you're accustomed to. Yeah, they'll have some fans, but it's only going to be limited to about 2,000 fans. It's not going to be the loud, uproarious playoff atmosphere that you normally have. It's not that huge of a deal. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear you'll hear the crowd. It's just not going to be the massive swing that you know uh, it would normally be the case. And at Kamara's pricing at eighty five hundred on DraftKings, nine nine thousand on FanDuel, I I can't see playing uh, Kamara on uh, FanDuel if Derrick Henry's ten two on FanDuel and Kamara's at nine K on FanDuel. Uh, you know, given the fact that you don't get the full point per reception, Derrick Henry becomes, to me, becomes a far better play on FanDuel. DraftKings, yeah, I can make the case for Kamara on DraftKings because of the receptions that Derrick Henry isn't going to get. Uh, you know, I, I can see Derrick, uh, I can see Kamara getting a number of receptions on DraftKings and, you know, that are worth of the full point uh, per reception. So I can, I can, I can get there with Kamara because he doesn't necessarily have to get into the end zone on DraftKings. Although at that price tag, he really needs to kind of get into the end zone if you want to have any shot of winning a GPP tournament. But for cash games, I I get why you would play Kamara. But, uh, you know, again, Michael Thomas should be back in this uh, game and at 6,400 on DraftKings and 6,800 on FanDuel. To me, Michael Thomas is the play and lock button play in my mind. You know, if we've got the two game slate, you should be locking in Michael Thomas because even if Michael Thomas can't play, there are enough players available that you can pivot to to use instead uh on DraftKings and FanDuel if you're playing the two game slate for all six playoff games. But if Michael Thomas suits up at his price tag, he is the best value on the uh on the slate for the entire weekend because with the Bears defense, they're going to force you to have methodical drives. And the best possession wide receiver in the game when healthy is Michael Thomas. That game screams Michael Thomas against the Bears uh, for the Saints to move the chains and and, and keep things going. So to me, it's uh, it's Michael Thomas uh, bar none as the best play uh, on the slate, uh, you know, Sunday slate wise, yes. Saturday and Sunday, uh, may, may, uh, maybe uh, you can make the case uh, for, you know, uh, you you can make the case for Josh Allen uh, being the overall play, or uh, just because of a uh, volume alone, or Brady, uh, you know. I mean, or Antonio Brown, but uh, 
you know, again, price tag wise, yeah. The, if Michael Thomas suits up, uh, Breeze is going to be targeting him early and often. Uh, no doubt about it. So uh, on the Bears side, I already brought up uh, David Montgomery. Allen Robinson, solid play. Uh, and uh, not, nothing nothing too fancy about it. Uh, if it's the two-game slate, I'm not playing. I would not be playing. Uh, would not be recommending playing Bears players. But for the Sunday only slate, it makes sense. It makes sense uh, uh, if you want to uh, do do something a little bit different uh, and uh, tar- uh, target the uh, the Bears offensive pieces. Uh, I I get it. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, to do a game stack with Robinson and Thomas, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I probably would uh, opt to drop a little bit further down and play Darnell Mooney, even though he's uh, he's still questionable for the game because of an ankle injury he's suffered in Week 17 against the Packers. Uh, I think at 3900 on DraftKings, the FanDuel pricing I'm not as excited about. Uh, he's 5400 on FanDuel. Uh, I would pass on FanDuel, but on DraftKings at 3900, uh, Mooney is an appealing play. Like I said, uh, to fit in Derrick Henry uh, and uh, some other uh, more expensive pieces, I can I can see uh, I can see uh, myself playing Darnell Mooney on the Sunday slate uh, to make the math work. And you know, in terms of salary wise uh, for the Sunday slate, uh, I would. I would kind of be looking at uh, 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 Cole Komet and can't believe I'm actually saying this. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Jimmy Graham on the Bears. Jimmy Graham, we thought his career was done. I, you know, we thought he made his money and was good to go and riding off in the sunset. He's been revitalized on the Bears. You know, he... He's developed a decent rapport with uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. You know, it's it's at least something to consider. Uh, they're both cheap enough on DraftKings uh, and FanDuel that, you know, tight end is just always a crapshoot. But Komet and Graham are two of the top uh, red zone targets for Trubisky. Uh, Allen Robinson really does not get that many red zone targets uh, for the Bears, so it's either going to be running it in with David Montgomery or uh, Trubisky to a tight end uh, would be the red zone opportunities for the Bears. So, you know, those are some options you can think about uh, on on that side of defense uh, in that matchup. And then the Sunday night matchup, uh, you got the Steelers hosting the Browns. The Steelers are now six-point favorites. When this originally opened, the Browns were three-and-a-half-point uh, 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 underdogs. And now, at six points, I'm taking the Browns. Uh, originally, you know, there there was a case to be made that, you know, the Steelers could, you know, based off of their start of the year, the Steelers could have gotten a little bit more respect in terms of... Uh, the betting line. The reason why this uh, this line moved up to six is that 
the Browns head coach, Kevin Stavansky, t- tested positive for COVID and will not be available for uh, the matchup uh, due to isolation procedures. So uh, Stefanski's out. So what people are surmising is that the Browns are just going to struggle moving the football against the Steelers' defense. I would like to remind everyone that when I said the uh, the Indianapolis Colts have one of, if not the best offensive line, the reason why I couldn't say definitively that they had the best offensive line is because the Browns might have the best offensive line of football this year based off of the results and their pass blocking and being an excellent uh, rushing attack as well. They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, honestly, if Kareem Hunt was back as a solo running back again, Kareem Hunt would likely be a top 10 uh, rusher in the NFL. Uh, He was that good on the Chiefs uh, that I could definitely see Kareem Hunt cracking the top 10 in rushing in the NFL again if he gets, uh, you know, if he gets another opportunity to be a, a starting running back. Uh, on a team, uh, you know, after everything that transpired it, it, over in Kansas City. You know, that being said, the Browns, their best pathway of winning this game is running the ball and running it often against the Steelers' defense. Steelers have a good defense. They don't have an excellent defense anymore with Bud Dupree injured. You know, part of the reason why they struggled in the second half is Dupree's injury really made it more of a focus for uh, TJ Watt to uh, be the man to a get sacks and disrupt and also uh, 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 tackle for uh, uh, tackle in the run game. They put a lot on the Steelers defensive line uh, to get the job done. And, you know, when they had uh, Watt and Dupree healthy, yeah, they can do that because they could both run, stop, and rush the passer. Without Dupree, teams have been able to run on the Steelers. And the Browns are not, it uh, doesn't get much easier. Now, here's the kicker. <clears throat> the Steelers could have uh, could have avoided this matchup entirely. In week 17 last week, the Steelers opted to rest uh, Roethlisberger and a number of other starters against the Browns who needed to win to get in uh, in most scenarios uh, the, the Browns needed that win because otherwise uh, you know unless uh, the Colts lost uh, the Browns were not going to win any tiebreakers against any of the other teams because uh, uh, Miami was still going to be able to get into the postseason it was only because the Browns won and Miami lost that uh, the Dolphins uh, were eliminated. But why did the Steelers rest their starters? First off, Ben Roethlisberger and that offensive line, they're old. Uh, Father time has caught up to them. Ben can't push the ball down the field. The Steelers' offensive line with uh, 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 Villanueva, uh, Marquise Pouncey, I'm I'm blanking on, I'm blanking on another uh, guard. But, uh, you know, they just, they can't run block anymore. You know, they can't explode off the line of scrimmage. It It is very hard for them uh, to get it done. It, it's just, it just is. They're like, they 
are not good. Run block. Uh, David DeCastro. Neil's going to get, it was going to come to me eventually, but you know, they just got old. Uh, you know, they, they're still good enough pass blocking wise uh, to get the job done, but the Steelers have had to augment their offense to have uh Roethlisberger throw the ball even faster. And, you know, it worked out earlier in the season, but it's not as though they were that dominant offensively. I have very much real concerns about the Steelers because, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Olivier Vernon ruptured his Achilles, I would say that the Browns have a had a great chance to knock off the Steelers and it not that be that close of a game, to be honest. Uh, if uh, if uh, the Browns pass for us uh, was completely healthy, I could definitely see the Browns making life absolute hell for the Steelers. Absolute hell uh, from a uh, pass uh, block standpoint. And obviously the Steelers, like I said, they can't run the football anymore. Uh, uh, James Conner is a backup NFL running back and the Steelers offensive line can't create holes. And it just, it just compounds the problem. They can't run the football. So the Browns know what they're, uh, the Steelers are going to do. They pin their ears back and they rush the passer. You know, like I said, Ben has gotten the ball out of his hands faster than before. But when the Steelers were on their losing streak, teams knew what plays that they're running. And because you knew, uh, uh, Ben was throwing the ball as quickly as possible. You know, don't bite on the first move and jam and then contest the ball as it reaches there. And because Ben doesn't put the same zip on the ball anymore, you can get more pass uh, breakups, which is what you saw with the Steelers as they struggled in the second half of the year, losing to the likes of Washington and some other, uh, and a number of other uh, clubs. They just, struggled uh, uh, putting it all together and that miracle comeback against the Colts realistically doesn't happen unless Phillip Rivers again just having a complete brain cramp and just making some terrible decisions but here's the thing if the Steelers had knocked out uh, the Browns the most likely scenario is that they would have been stuck playing the Colts again. And I can tell you, the Steelers did not want that matchup with the Colts. The Colts matched up very well against the Steelers in that game and were dominating the Steelers before they let the foot off the gas pedal. Uh, You know, yes, uh, Ben Roethlisberger improvised uh, some old school plays that they hadn't practiced, that the uh, Colts hadn't seen. And they were able to move the ball in the second half because of dialing up some new plays that uh, the Colts hadn't seen and they caught them off guard. If they had faced the Colts again, honestly, that would have been one of my favorite bets because the Steelers still would have gotten favored. The Colts would have been dogs. And I would have been 98% sure that the Steelers were going to lose that game to the Colts. You know, again, knowing that the liability of the Colts is Philip Rivers, you always put in that 2% chance of uh, Phil completely imploding that game. But considering how 
much he short-circuited that game. I would have to think that the Colts uh, and Rivers would acknowledge what went wrong and avoid that scenario happening again. That's why, I, I, like I said, I could not see the Colts losing to the Steelers again if they if they matched up. So I think the Steelers realized that and kind of told themselves, we can get to Baker Mayfield and rattle them. Division rival, we see the Browns enough times. We know what they're going to do. We can out-execute them and still beat them. And I think that's how the Steelers went about it. I, I think the Steelers really felt comfortable with the matchup against the Browns. Even though <clears throat> uh, the Browns can run the football on them, and they're uh, they're uh, they're not uh, as stout uh, with the run defense as they should be at this stage of the year, you know, I think the Steelers feel more comfortable uh, going up against the Browns than they would have, you know, either playing the Titans. Uh, possibly because uh, uh, there were a bunch of weird scenarios, but they could have ended up playing the Titans or uh, play, uh, playing uh, the Colts, uh, if not for uh, beating uh, the Browns. But, you know, like I said, it's just one of those uh, cases where, you know, you got to kind of be careful what you wish for because uh, the Steelers not too long ago were pushing – uh, to get the number one seed with uh, the Chiefs and fell by the wayside. And now, you know, they're kind of backsliding into the playoffs. I think the Steelers are kind of running out of steam. I think I like the Browns in this matchup. And, you know, I really think you could load up on uh, Nick Chubb uh, being that late game hammer or uh, going with uh, the Kareem Hunt option. I think they both have very good games against the Steelers. I, you know, they're not going to be highly owned in that late game. Uh, everyone's going to want to play those earlier games, but I think there's a real opportunity to play uh, the Cleveland running backs in the late game slate and it be a viable opportunity. Now I know folks are going to want to be playing uh, the Steelers wide receivers uh, because uh, you know, you have, a passing attack where they have to pass because they can't run. So you're going to get volume uh, with uh, Ben and the wide receivers, but Cleveland has a decent enough defense. It, you know, there, there really isn't a ton of surprises. The Steelers can get by on the Brown. So it's just going to come down to execution. And like I said, you know, it's, it's a. Uh, it's hard to say that you feel good about picking the Steelers to win a matchup, but uh, you know, spread wise, I would definitely take the Browns. But you know, even without uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski on the sidelines, I think as long as Baker Mayfield just plays within the offense, doesn't do anything too crazy, I think they take care of business and uh, a and and come out of uh, Pittsburgh with a win. I, I really do. It's just, you know, the Browns, even though they dropped a number of uh, games that they should have had in hand, they have the makeup to make a Super Bowl run. There's, It's just that simple. They have great offensive line, excellent defensive line. They have talent at the wide receiver core, even with uh, 
Odell Beckham Jr. injured. Uh, they they still have talent at the wide receiver core. They have tight ends that are cap- more than capable. They did, they just don't get used enough, you know. And uh, you know, kind of looking through uh, uh, some uh, some of the other metrics, the Browns realistically would be the best defensive play on DraftKings as well and FanDuel. Uh, they're twenty five hundred on DraftKings. They're 4K on FanDuel. I know people want to play the Steelers wide receivers. I know that. The Browns DBs can't shut down the Steelers. And like I said, the Browns uh, can cause a number of issues with that older offensive line. I really think that the Steelers are in trouble on Sunday night. I really do. To me, the Steelers are going to have to uh, come up with some forward thinking in order to get a win here because, uh, you know, it's a division opponent. They've seen enough of you over the years. You're going to have to get a little bit more creative with the offensive game plan. And because they can't run the ball, it, you know, I, I just think it limits your options as to what you kind of uh, catch them on, uh, off guard with because Big Ben's not m- moving around as spry as he used to. So even some of the bootlegs, you know, a lot of the Steelers playbook uh, that they would have relied upon over the years just isn't there with this year's team. It, it's just not. So, you know, as much as uh, it would have shocked me at the beginning of the year to say this uh, head, uh, heading straight into the playoffs, but, you know, I would much rather be in the Brown shoes than the Steelers shoes. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, one of the things, uh, like classic cases of where you see a team peaking at the right time versus a team that's just on the downward slope. I I just, I don't see much of a pathway for victory for the Steelers unless the Browns open the door and you get turnovers, most likely from Baker uh, Mayfield and at the QB spot. So, you know, that's kind of uh, the slate in a nutshell for Sunday. And like I said, for the combined slate, you you have to kind of make your choices on games, uh, but uh, you know, definitely you should be getting exposure uh, to the Buffalo Indy game. Uh, you know, even if you concentrate on the uh, Buffalo guys, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that can happen. But uh, you know, I really feel good about Tampa uh, offensively, and you know. When it comes to the, uh, playing the combined slate, like I said, Michael Thomas needs to be in your lineup because if he's uh, suited up and ready to go, you got him at a bargain because he's going to get uh, looks and targets from Breeze. But if he can't go, you still have a, a couple of options available uh, that can uh uh go later on in the evening. So that even Deontay Johnson on the Steelers, you know, you could uh, have an immediate pivot to that. I, I would probably pivot to uh, a couple of other uh, plays instead. If I can't get Michael Thomas, like I said, I brought up Darnell Mooney on uh, the bears and I can get different elsewhere with the budget uh, as needed. But uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting uh, weekend uh, for the wild card games uh, coming up because there there are a number of pathways to go. But uh, uh, as I 
have often said, you know, as long as you're uh, set in your game plan and what you're looking to accomplish, that's a lot of the battle. Uh, you know, kind of getting over your uh, biases and and coming up with uh, different ways of uh, uh, going through uh, your lineup construction. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you can be consistent with your lineup construction and the thought process involved, it's just going to help you overall in terms of uh, uh, being successful uh, uh, in the playoff runs because you kind of, you know, there's a lot of recency bias that pops up in uh, DFS and uh, the other uh, outlets as well. So don't go too crazy uh, over uh, these things. So, uh, that's uh, going to be uh, do uh, all for the show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned to injury news throughout the weekend because you're going to learn quite a bit about uh, certain things based off of uh, uh, some of the earlier drafts that I've seen. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the most interesting weeks of the year. Uh, definitely one of my favorite... Uh, uh, periods of the NFL season, that first wild card uh, weekend, uh, that wild card weekend uh, should be interesting with the two additional games. So uh, that's all for now, folks. Good luck. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.